0: Up this hour, Aubrey and I are going to talk about our weekends, and then another high profile Christian publicly walked away from the faith. You're listening to the Common Good. Welcome to the Common Good here on AM eleven sixty Hope for Your Life alongside Aubrey Sampson. Aubrey Sampson, what's going on? My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on a Monday. We're both caffeinated, so we have way too much we have energy. A lot of for energy happening afternoon. right now, don't we? It's either that or I'm going to be exhausted from my weekend, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Can't but wait to hear. I went through Starbucks, got us drinks. Thank like you we for are, that, Brian. Oh, we're going to talk fast today. <laughs> we're going to talk highly energetic. But the sun is out after a rainy weekend, and Beautiful it's day. Uh, it's a good day and it's good to be together so uh this past weekend uh as i said on friday i went and spent the weekend with my son an awesome guy's trip uh to he he had his first baseball tournament oh
1: that's awesome
0: way down in kentucky okay. which was a really fun time but oh, it's a long drive
2: <laughs> how, how long is the drive to kentucky It was
0: uh, where we went to this weekend it was like five and a half hours okay all
2: right how and, was and, the tourney uh, uh
0: you know what T- Let me ask you for your weekend first, because oh, okay. then I want to tell you about something that happened this tournament. You have things tournament.
2: to say about the tournament, I, don't you? People
0: don't know. We have like a little thing that we keep organized where you and I know what we're going to talk about. And I just wrote, I want to vent about the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare yourself emotionally. Brian needs to vent. I just want to vent. So before I vent, tell me tell me all about the Samson weekend. Okay. How was it?
2: Since you'll be venting, I'll say positive. things. Okay. okay. Uh, I drove to Indy, Indiana this weekend, Indianapolis, to spend some time with a friend from grad school. That was yeah. really fun. We went out to a restaurant and then walked around downtown. It was great. Um, I discovered a brand new show on Disney Plus that our family will be watching, Brian. What is it? And it is called Mighty Ducks Game Changer. Nope. It's, <laughs> it's a new generation of Mighty Ducks. Nope. And, wait, here's the best part. Emilio Estevez is in it. I've seen the commercial. Yeah, he's grumpy. (laughs) Hockey has let him down, but somehow it's going to get redeemed in this show, so I'm really excited about it. And I will say one more thing. We uh, are doing premarital counseling for a couple that we're marrying in a couple uh, months. We were with them on Sunday, and... Uh, The bride is one of the board members here at the station. Her name is Hannah Granowski. She's
0: been on our show multiple times, Yeah, and they
2: just gave me hope for the future of the church and the future of marriage. They (laughs) love Jesus. They love each other. They're very cute. So that was fun. Okay, so let's let's go. Let's hear the vent.
0: Okay, so my son and I, it was a ton of fun. He plays 13U baseball, and he's on one of these travel teams. And so the tournament this weekend was in Kentucky. We're not going to be going to Kentucky and other places. It was like... His first tournament and his last tournament are like the furthest ones away. Okay. So we decided we're not going to make the girls go like my daughters. And so just Jackson and I went, and it was a boys weekend, right? Fine, fine. Yeah. And so it was uh, it was a ton of fun. So we drove down on Friday night. His team played Friday night. We stayed in the hotel, got up on Saturday. Of course, it was raining, but that's OK. They still played. Hey, okay. uh, we get to Sunday. So his team was the number one seed after oh, the pool play. So amazing. they were playing well. They're good well team. Done. So they were playing well. We get to Sunday. And we win the first game. Okay. So now we're in the semifinals. Nice. And I'm going to preface this story by we Jackson's team lost the semifinals. So Aww. this is, uh, they got beat pretty good. Okay. Uh, but but they're playing this team and not that anyone, they're from like the St. Louis area or something. And they they beat, they were going to beat our team anyway, but.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. You kind of knew that going in
1: that they but were going to
0: win. And there's okay. going to be, there's going to be a church connection here. So stay with me oh, here, people. All right. So. All right. uh as this game's going on, we start to realize that uh, their bats sound weird. And you're just like, that sounds kind of odd. Well, every team that was watching this team swore up and down, they're cheating. Their bats <gasps> are their bats are doctored. Uh-oh. Nobody proved it. So it, they... It, all alleged. Uh, our coach did ask for a bat to be checked, and okay. they got all mad. Every team was like They're cheating because what you can do with aluminum bats is you can take the cap off and you kind of hollow it out a little bit and it makes like a trampoline effect. It's really dangerous and really cheating, Uh, but like it could add thirty, forty feet to your (gasps) to a ball. Okay, okay. We had some guys who hit the ball really far. Come on, seems weird. So uh, I have my suspicions, but the weird part was other teams' coaches were like, who are like into baseball? Yeah. They're like, oh, no doubt. Those bats sound doctored. Come on. It was on. like.
2: Like it's just sort of accepted?
0: No, no. They should have gotten kicked out of the tournament, but there was no. You can really hide it. And so these these coaches don't know, but they're like, I, no, that sounds doctored. And this other team's coach was like that coach who was like way too fired up. Yeah. Way too like gregarious. Uh-huh. And you're just like, it made the game somewhat uncomfortable. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, Yes. Lost. And so you might be like, "Why did I? Why am I venting and telling you this story about this?" But uh, you ready for it? That's the only team that had a cross on their on their shirt, and and it's the only team you're
2: going to say something like that.
0: It is the only team that made a made a point. To pray right before the game, uh, so that everybody could. I'm not saying they prayed so that everybody could see them, but right. they could. You could see. They them. did it visibly. And I'm not suggest. I don't know definitively that they were cheating, but they were like that team. Come on! That other people couldn't handle. So let me throw. That's my vent. That is Uh, my vent right now. I would be venting
2: too if I were you, Brian. So because the weekend was
0: awesome, the weekend was you guys had fun together. The team did really well. The team won three out of four games. The parents went out to dinner at night while the kids swam. It was it was a phenomenal weekend. But I couldn't believe that the one overtly Christian Christian team. team of like the 12, 14, 13 new teams uh, there, uh, the one overtly Christian team was the one that most people were like, either they're cheating right. or I can't handle them.
2: Because the coach is so intense or
0: And whatever. they made a point to be like visibly praying, which I'm not suggesting they were doing it for a show. Sure, like they were. Sure. But Why does that always happen?
2: Why That's is what, it always the Christians gonna, look like the bad guys? I'm going to
0: make you answer that question. <laughs> How would you have felt in that situation? Why does this seem to happen over and over again? How can we as the church do better?
2: <laughs> well, it reminds me of the Mighty Ducks. A lesson I learned. <laughs> Just kidding. They yeah. got arrogant. The old team got arrogant on that one too. Uh, we have to do better. Don't. We? I mean, okay. So here's the hard part. Mm-hmm. There's no proof that they were cheating. There's a lot of. Guessing, there's a lot of assumptions, so you can't really do much about that. But the attitude of my son,
0: as I told, so everybody knows. Yeah, my son uh, was one of the pitchers who got hit kind of hard, and we got in, and he's like, everyone was saying they're cheating. I said, Bud. They, they There's no proof. We're going to assume they weren't. Yep. Like it was very much like, nope, good game. Here yep. we go. But in my mind, I'm like, oh. It's
2: a good life lesson, isn't it? Because <laughs> yes. oh, you know they're cheating and you want to grab it a bat. Like it. it felt oh,
0: like I it. Oh,
2: I just think especially it's sort of like the Christians at the restaurant or the the person driving down the road with the Christian fish sticker. When we are representing <laughs> Christ, we have to do better, whether it's our attitudes or our kindness or our integrity. When it comes to the game, we absolutely have to get better because we're witnesses for Christ, right? Right.
0: Right. So what about you? Day to day, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't want to just point fingers. There are probably times that I reflect I'm I'm a bad ambassador of Jesus. Right. But my question for you is how often is that even in your mind? Do you think... Man, how am I reflecting Mm. Jesus' day? Because I did, it did frustrate me. That team didn't need to put a cross on their shirt. Yeah. They didn't need, like, they were, it's, they might as well, like you said, have had the Jesus fish on their helmet and just, like, let's go at this. Right. Uh, Like, if you're going to be that way, be careful. But how do you go about your day? Do you actually think to yourself or tell your kids or whatever, hey, not only, no, I won't ask you what you do with your kids. But yeah. what do you when when you look in the mirror, you're like, "All right, I'm a, I'm a representative of Jesus." Is that uh, is that front of mind for you?
2: I certainly would say I do it before I post on social media. That's a that's a moment when I'm aware. Hey, I represent Christ and and my church community.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, what I'm about to say, this is public and this says something about who Jesus is, um, but certainly I'm not as aware of it throughout the day as I ought to be, as any of us ought to be. By the grace of God, we keep going. Are you aware of it throughout the day?
0: No. No. And that's hard because... Uh, the, the 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 text tells us, the Bible calls us ambassadors of Jesus. Right. Like that's, I think that's one of the most important titles we have in all of scripture, mm-hmm. because then you start unpacking what's it mean that I'm an ambassador? A okay, representative. It means, yes, yeah, it means I'm a representative. It means that that people are going to look at my life, you know, as I claim to be a Christian, look mm-hmm. at your life mm-hmm. and go, OK, so that's what it means. That's what a Jesus follower is. That's what like. And I don't know if we should feel pressure by that or we should feel opportunity probably yeah. a little bit about Yeah, don't you I think? mean I
2: do think we should realize that I I think sometimes we think we have passive influence but we actually have more of an active influence than we think that our words matter our actions matter and they our words do things our actions say things Mm. and so we have to be mindful of the fact that we bear the name of jesus wherever we go and that means holding our tongue that means loving that means serving that means when it's really hard going okay lord you got to help me act like you right now because i don't want to but thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit making yes. us more Christ-like as we fail forward in this, hopefully. We fail forward. Right? That's,
0: well that's well put. One last point from the weekend. My car did not smell good on the way home.
2: <laughs> oh, I don't even want to know. I've got after, three boys. I like, was oh.
0: like, oh, here we go. Yeah, no, but that's nasty. It was a ton of fun. Most of all, it's just, you know, you've got three boys. I've got three kids. Yep. there's There's just times where you're like. I'm going away with one of my kids. I love kids. that. Very we're, special. we like, making an experience, making a memory. So it was an awesome weekend, even if the Christian team might have cheated. In the Come turn. on, team. Those cheaters. Well, we're off and running here on The Common Good here on this beautiful Monday afternoon. Coming up next. Uh, two articles that I want to talk about. Two things from the weekend. Yet another high-profile Christian walks away from the faith. Oh, what do we do with that? Mm-hmm. And then a very famous pastor whose son is now becoming a very famous TikToker, uh, making fun of and ripping the evangelical faith. We're going to wow. talk about both those next year on the Common Good. Aim eleven sixty. Hope for your life. The Hey, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us on a beautiful Monday afternoon. Hopefully you had a great weekend. We are glad that you are here with us today. It's nice out today, isn't
2: it? It's gorgeous outside today.
0: I mean, the bar is low after the rain of this weekend. But <laughs> yes, just to see true. the sun, and I feel like we're getting there. We're getting there. all I, I, I told my daughter the other day, I was like, you know, it's going to snow again at some point. It is going to snow again. <laughs> <She's there>. Wholeheartedly, it <laughs> will. At me, like,
2: it's why I haven't put out my back porch decor yet, because no, I'm we like, we have that one out. May. We have the one May snow. And then then it's good.
0: You're going to be waiting to be June 1st. Like, no,
1: nope. I'm not bringing it out yet. No,
0: we're not doing it. OK, I read this at the Christian Post. And, it, you know, when I read things, I go, OK, we got to talk about this. I don't know what box to put this in or what to do with it. At the Christian Post, it says another high profile Christian walks away. And then it asks this question. What's going on? Hmm. This is by Shane Eidelman. Uh, it says, a headline this week has many people scratching their head. Former Desiring God writer Paul Maxwell announces he's no longer a Christian. How can this happen? Do he lose his salvation? Below, he says, is my response to this. But I, I just want to go with a much bigger point. I don't want to get into a chain had to write. Yeah. I'm so tired of uh, of people who were high-profile Christians, not only going, I'm not a Christian, but like, building their brand on it.
2: Like doing it publicly and then getting a following from it. It
0: strikes me as really weird. If I read right, Paul Maxwell, not only was it Desiring God, but at Moody uh, and some other things. And uh, I I get that... I I guess I don't know what to do with it. What do you do? Because Ian and I, in the last two years, read so many of Mm -hmm. these articles. It's this band of person. It's this speaker. Mm -hmm. And I always struggle with the public nature of it. And maybe the public nature of their ministries before it, everything's out in the public. But I I do struggle with this. I want to be like, man, just like, okay, if you don't believe it anymore, just go.
2: So my first instinct was, like you, Brian, to say, Oh, I'm so. Why does this have to happen publicly? Why mm-hmm. is it so important for you to like make this? Because you do the, all these evangelicals are like this guy just seems to actually be walking away from Christianity altogether. Um, why publicly? Why does that matter so much? I maybe th- that's a good point you brought up. The question of their following their platform, their po- profile, if it is public. And they have people that are looking to them for discipleship or Mm -hmm. wisdom, maybe in one sense it actually has some integrity to say, hey, you may not want to follow me anymore because I'm no longer going to give you this material that you're here for. Um, The downside, of course, is that then you get all these other followers that are (laughs) like, yes, we're We're anti-Christian too. You you know, Um, I think more than anything, it is heartbreaking to me. Yeah. But I also know it's not always the end of the story, right? This may be happening now, but you don't know what the Lord's going to do in a few years. You don't know how this man's heart might get softened or how the Holy Spirit might whisper, like, come home, come home. And so we can pray. We can't give up. We can't grow cynical. We have to keep enduring even when these people do this and... I guess just love as best as we can.
0: That's a good word. And I do think that's why the church itself needs to leave room for doubt and not freak out all the time. Someone's like, I'm not sure... Like, I think the best thing we can do, especially for younger people, but all people is just to be like, OK, like you're doubting. Let's talk this yeah. out. Let's work this out. And some of these high profile people, I you know, there's a whole host of reasons. I think this happens from mm-hmm. brand to not having a community at all to right. these other things. Right. Uh, but then there was this other story and I wasn't even planning to talk about this. And then I, I told you I saw this on my way into the studio today at The New York Times. I don't know why this hit me so much. Uh, it just says a pastor's son becomes a critic of religion on TikTok, hmm. and this particular person has nine hundred thousand. Or let's see, his videos have been viewed uh, eight. Oh, he's nine hundred thousand followers on TikTok. Wow! I don't even know how TikTok works. There's uh, a lot
2: of dancing there, Brian. You belong know, there. That's why I don't
0: know how it works. <laughs> but this one particular. Uh, ex-evangelical, has 900,000 followers, many of them, it says, young people who thank him for capturing their experiences so so precisely, Hmm. his unlikely path to online stardom, it says, irreverent critiques of evangelical Christianity aimed at others who have left the faith. Here's what was so sobering and striking this is Abraham Piper, the son of John Piper, wow. who many people know, Desiring God, yep. Bethlehem Baptist, one of the leading voices, at least in evangelicalism. Yeah, yep. That hit me when I read that. I was like, oh, my gosh, John Piper. So I didn't know people are probably like, oh, well, you didn't know this story. We knew this right. for a long time. No, I, I didn't had, know this story either. I yeah. had no idea. It makes my heart break for John Piper. It, yeah. it reminds me of the complexities of family.
2: That's what I was thinking. Family dynamics are at it again here. right? Uh,
0: and so pastors, kids, you and I are pastors. Mm-hmm. Like, what's this
2: mean? what I, does it mean for our children?
0: I felt so much of that here. I think your word about the last article is so important here. Like, hey, it doesn't mean the story's over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. What, what's your take? You're much more in the public eye than mm-hmm. I am, too. Mm-hmm. And you agreed to that very quickly. But you
2: know, <laughs> I really <laughs> am. That's true, Brian. <laughs> but somebody who's
0: such in the public eye of John oh. Piper to have this written about in the yeah. New York Times. And this has been going on behind the scenes, I'm sure. I don't know. I read this and I felt such sorrow and was mm-hmm. overwhelmed by and I'm not even sure why I felt such overwhelmed sorrow by it, but I, I really kind of think that's did. your
2: pastor's heart, I think, coming yep. out. Yeah. You know, interestingly, sometimes I actually think ex-evangelicals have their pulse on something that's right, meaning they are critiquing critiquing some things about the evangelical church that need to be critiqued. Hmm. Where I do think they go too far as some of their theological assumptions are maybe not. What at least where I would stand as an evangelical Christian, Mm. I'll put it that way. So I can have some compassion for a young kid who grows up in um, a super reformed home, has some ideas about the church that aren't like connecting with him or with his culture or with his people. And so now he becomes like almost a prophetic voice. Yeah. What I wish would happen is that, um, you know, God would get a hold of that prophetic voice and he would use it to honor Jesus instead of tearing down the church. Or he would use it to build bridges instead of constantly pointing fingers. Now, I don't follow Abraham Piper. I don't know what he's doing. He may just be doing awesome dance moves that connect with people. Doesn't look like it. But my guess is there's some influence that, oh, wow, if Holy Spirit, if Jesus could get a hold of that and use it for good and to build up the church, that would be a mighty thing. But the fact that it's being used to, it seems like, tear down the church. That must be really difficult. If I were John Piper, my heart would be broken.
0: Mine too. And I also think that the danger of something like this is there's a a line right here in this article, and I think this is why those of us who are... You know, f- following Jesus, we need to take this seriously, but also be prayerful about it. Uh, there's another ex-evangelical in this article named Melissa Stewart, and she said this: If John Piper's son can deconstruct and get to this place, I can do this too.
1: Mm.
0: And I just, I don't, my heart broke when I read yeah, that. Like yeah. it, maybe it's, it's a, sobering. Like it was, it's a pastoral heart, maybe whatever. But like you said, as one who's who, uh, who just wants his kids to to, to be in the faith yeah. and love it. I'm sure John Piper's just praying for his kid and loving his kid, right? You don't not love your child because of the decisions they make. One of the pastors that I love the most once said, I, I looked at my son and said, uh, whether you follow Jesus or not, I'm going to love you. And, wow, and I think that's, that's, that's awesome. so freeing, but it's got to be so hard to actually live that out. So I wanted to just bring that up uh, just because it's one, it's a story I'm wrestling with. I don't know what to make of the fact right. that John Piper's son is one of the leading voices on TikTok for ex-evangelicals. I, I don't know what to do that, and, and I think you make a good point. It's not the end of the story. Let's continue to pray. And
2: let's listen to what we need to listen to. Yeah. Maybe there's some valid critiques we need to hear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you can find those up at our Facebook page, uh, Twitter, and Instagram, at Common Good Talk coming up next. I want to talk about two things I saw on Twitter, uh, particularly about what it means to be a pastor and what it means to follow Jesus. We're going to go dive into the Twitter universe next here on the Common. There we Day, go. AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined by... Aubrey Sampson. Wonderful to be together. We had that pretty good. I felt like that was nice. That was a good rhythm. we we'll are practicing that during the commercials. <laughs> so.
2: we'll, we'll keep practicing.
0: <laughs> we'll <laughs> get it perfect. perfect. We are... Uh, what is this? Day, what? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Day four of the show. Day
2: four. That feels like a good day.
0: They keep letting us back. I don't know. So. I don't
2: know why. <laughs> I don't know how, but it keeps happening. It just
0: keeps happening. We keep searching for the email every evening. Oh, okay. Here we okay. Go.
2: Okay. Guess we're doing it again.
0: So it is good to be together. It's a beautiful Monday. If you've missed any of the show, there's a couple different places you can find us. You can go back to last week's shows or interviews we've done. Uh, go get the podcast wherever it is. You get your podcast, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, that really does help us. It helps other people find the show. Uh, generally, if you review, please make it a nice one.
1: Yeah,
2: um, good I, reviews are helpful. They make the algorithm go up, and for, then more people find the show.
0: Forget the algorithm. I'm a words of affirmation oh, person. Oh, that's true.
2: Brian needs affirmation, I everyone. Do. Tell him you're proud of him. Tell him he's doing a good job. That's right.
0: I used to be like, no, I don't need that. I do. I do need that. I feel that, like the, so. I thank
2: you for admitting that. That's good to know. That's your love language. <laughs> Just, words of affirmation.
0: Even if you don't mean it, put it down there, and I'll feel make good about Fake it till you make myself. it to make Brian feel, feel good, good about, about himself. himself. You can also find us at 1160hope.com. Alexa, tell Alexa, hey. Uh, what do you have to tell Alexa? You check this out.
2: Oh, yeah. Alexa, turn on AM 1160. Hope for your life. The common good.
0: It's a good thing you, we don't have an Alexa in here because you just I, said she'd be, Alexa. She'd be going We'd be, be all messed up. Uh, anyway, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And our Instagram page has gotten a nice little overhaul by you because you're the youthful one, so you like doing Instagram. That's right. Instagram. You're the old man. I'm the youthful uh, one. I'm the old man on Facebook. You are the Instagram Yeah, follow us on one.
2: Instagram, the common good talk. It's a fun time over there
0: it is we posted some stuff. you posted a picture from when you were in junior high
2: I did and I'm waiting for you to reciprocate Brian what's happening with that
0: I I don't carry around pictures from junior high well, so I gotta uh, go find you it you need to get on that if you're gonna
2: be on the common good <laughs> just so was, you know
0: that was not a good season for me it but wasn't a good season
2: it. for anyone that's why it's hilarious true, and we all true. like those pictures so I will try to
0: find it and since I don't do Instagram much maybe I'll send it to you there and you go can, you can put it up there but done all sorts of different places where you can engage with us engage with the show uh, we are glad to do that hey we do want to mention just something we just heard in the news I know this happened a little bit ago uh, multiple people shot including a police officer at a high school in Knoxville Tennessee mm. it's still unraveling what happened uh, is any but from what I can read it doesn't look like anyone's it was killed thankfully uh, hopefully that remains the case but Aubrey, I, every time these pop up and I know this isn't what we're gonna spend our time talking about but yeah. you read these we're parents you Ugh. know we have this it's just not only terrifying but it's sad I don't want to get into do a debate about gun control right, or this right. and that, I just want to say uh, it breaks my heart and it is such a sign of brokenness and sin that this is the world that we live in.
2: It is absolutely heartbreaking. It makes me so terrified to send my kids to school. They're going back next week and you just, mm. as a parent, your anxiety level goes up. But just like you said, it is just, the fact that this is happening with children yes. is... Absolutely, beyond we got to get on our knees and be praying that the Lord will put an end to this uh, shooting.
0: Absolutely, and we just don't, we, you know people want to go immediately, immediately to the political nature of it. Right. Like, no, let's not go there. Let's go. What's causing this? Yeah. And uh, yeah, like you said, I've got kids in school, and every time they're at school and I hear a siren or oh. two, I'm like, and, and I get worried and. Yep. You know, thankfully, nothing's obviously ever happened. But, you know, praying for these people down in Knoxville, Tennessee, yep, we're praying, praying for also you. up in Minneapolis. And maybe we'll cover this as the week goes on. But all that's going on there and in yeah. Brooklyn Center, where there was the sh- shooting of uh, I don't know how to say his name, Duante Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it looks like it was like. The police officer grabbed their gun instead of a taser. And it's just so hard. All of it's heartbreaking. Sometimes you read the news and you just kind of go, come Lord Jesus. Right. Like what is going on? And so I wanted to highlight those, just some new stuff or maybe we'll talk about them later in the week. Uh, but thoughts and prayers, our prayers go out to the people, especially as we talk about Knoxville, Tennessee, and hope that uh, everyone's OK down there. So uh, kind of a hard left turn. I uh, want to talk about two tweets that I saw. Okay, You and I are both pastors, and both of these tweets, they speak not only to pastors, but just kind of the church in general. One of our heartbeats of this show is you and I want to cause people to wrestle with, like, What's it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What's it look like uh, to be a follower of Jesus? And what should the church look Mm -hmm. like? Which can be uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. We spent a lot of time on this show kind of pointing things uncomfortably out about the church. So uh, this one... Uh, this first tweet I saw was retweeted. It was from somebody named Chad Lingerud, but he was quoting Scott McKnight and Laura Beringer. They wrote A Church Called Tove. We've had Scott McKnight on multiple times. I have. You didn't get I'm to talk so to I'm so jealous Scott of that because I love Scott McKnight and I love his book, A Church Called Tove. Yes. And so it deals a lot with what's a what's a church that's defined by kindness look like? Mm. And it's kind of speaking against the abuses of the church. I want, um let me read this quote okay. and you, you just unpack it. I'm just going to let you go where you want with it. Okay. Uh, McKnight writes, when pastors are defined primarily as, quote, leaders or, quote, entrepreneurs or, quote, visionaries, they've already ceased to be pastors in any biblical sense. Wow. Further, when the church becomes an institution or an organization or worse, a corporation, it ceases to be a church. Wow. That is a vital part of the body of Christ. Moreover pastor as leader blurs the lines of headship in the church and people begin to lose sight of the church's one true and only head, Jesus Christ. That's a quote from Scott McKnight and Laura Beringer, Beringer, uh, a church called Tove. Just give me your reaction to that.
2: It does seem to me that there has been a model of church, I, I, I suppose, since the early 2000s. I might be wrong about that, but um, that has really emphasized this sort of visionary apostolic type leader as the yes. leader. If your pastor is not gifted in those ways, then the church isn't going to grow. The church isn't going to take new ground. Yes. The church isn't going to. And the reality is, I mean, we know this from Ephesians. There are apostles. There are pastors. There are shepherds. There are teachers. There are prophets. I'm probably missing some of the categories there. But um, I think the the key term here is primarily because mm. i would say my husband is sort of this visionary entrepreneur but pastors can't be only that yes. really pastors are under shepherds right mm-hmm. they are uh servants shepherds you're really good at this brian i know caring for your church as a shepherd and so if they are only the visionary then that's where i think we're we're failing
0: yeah and i think it's i think any time the church becomes modeled after kind of best practices of business, business. corporations, yeah. whether it's how you set up your elder board, whether it's your CEO as pastor or your mm-hmm. pastor as CEO, I just think it becomes dangerous. I think uh, people need to wrestle with this because um, there have been a lot of problems with the church, and I think a lot of it goes back to that. Let me read this other quote. This is from a guy that I started following by the name of Chris Hutchinson, I, like he the beginning of his Twitter bio says, unfamous pastor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> like, uh,
0: uh, I just, I, I read this and said, oh, that's good. That's good. He said this, in some, the christ in some S-U-M, not in some, but in some mm-hmm. S-U-M, the Christian life should aim to imitate Christ in his first coming not his second. Whoa. I had to think about that for a second. Yeah. So the Christian life should aim to imitate Christ in his first coming, not his second. Unpack that for us a little bit.
2: My guess is what he's talking about is uh, the first coming, meaning he came with humility. Yes. He came to serve, not to be served. Second coming, we're coming in power,
1: power right? I mean, yes. We are
2: like coming down with thunder and lightning. And so I think what he's... You got picture voice there. Yeah, Amen. Jesus, come back. We need you. But yeah, pastors... Well, all Christians, right? Not just pastors. All Christians are our big end goal in life. In fact, God's one goal for us is to make us more like Jesus. Yes. yes. And I like this distinction between the first and the second coming. That's that's a, that's a word right there. It is.
0: I mean, if we lived out the first come, none of us perfectly, but no. like you said, if our lives were marked by humility, by serving others, by sacrificial love, by uh, by being there for the marginalized, like all of these things. Uh, think about the reaction. Like, think about the witness of the church. Mm. Like right now, we're going to talk about this a little later in the show. The church doesn't have the greatest witness, and uh, yeah. in, in, especially in the non-churched world. Right. And part of that is uh, lack of understanding. A lot of that is self-inflicted. And so... You know, I I love what Chris Hutchinson says here, that if we started trying to imitate Christ's first coming, again, let me read, let me, the last shall be first, Mm. uh, put others before yourself, you know, love the loveless, like who did Jesus reach out to The marginalized, like if we actually embody that as a church. Pick up your cross and die. There you go. You know it's not an easy call, right? Yes. And so if we embodied that, not only would we start to look like Jesus, but more than that, or not more than that, but also people who are on the outside of the church are gonna go, maybe I don't really necessarily believe that, but man are those people different.
2: Yeah, man, do I see something? I'm attracted to there. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So I wanted to and I wanted to challenge us with both of these tweets. I read these and I went. Okay, this gets my mind going. This gets me challenged. This kind of kind of recenters me a little bit. Would love to know what you think about them. You can check that out at our Facebook page at Common Good Talk. Well, coming up next, we've played it once, but it's already one of my favorite segments. I am
2: very excited about this. We're going
0: to play a second round of Am I a Jerk or Am I Justified? You're going to want to hear this next on the Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. <laughs> Common good on AM 1160 Hope for Your Life. I almost said the name wrong there. What well, were you gonna say? I don't even know what, what was, I was gonna come to out say. of your mouth. I don't know. Huh. We're about to get ourselves in trouble there. But it is the Common Good. We it are is the Common Good, everyone. AM 1160 Hope for Your Life, and I am Brian Fromm, joined by Audrey Sampson. If ever there was a segment, I was going to call you Audrey. That would have been it. After that, bring back. Hey, that one's going to the Radio Hall of Fame right there.
2: Audrey and Ryan exactly. at the Common Ground.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's our we new show. We are really glad to have you here on the Common Good. Aubrey Sampson, Brian From We are excited to have you. If you've missed any of the show, we have a podcast. You can subscribe, rate, review. Also, you can find us at 1160hope.com uh, and lots of good stuff going on here. Last week, see, I've been doing this show since Ian Simpkins left without a co-host. Now you're here. I and know. I Do you like, feel
2: like I'm moving in on your territory a little bit? Oh, no.
0: Come on in because okay. I, t- okay. I was tired of doing it by myself and, uh, and, and now we were like, hey, with a co-host we can add a couple different things. Yes. So I came up, this May work, it may not. It worked the first time uh, with a segment called Am I a Jerk or Am I Justified? Let me explain it real fast. I'm giving Aubrey uh, a real life scenario of something that happened in my life. She doesn't know about it. Okay, and right. She right. has to decide. Am I a jerk in that situation or am I justified in my response? Debbie, our producer, went above and beyond and has a she produced a great open. We got to play. This is for Am I a Jerk or Am I Justified? It's time for another round of your favorite game. Am I a jerk
2: or am I justified?
0: Alright, Debbie, that's gold.
2: I mean, you gotta dance that's to that. Gold right that there, is Debbie. like award-winning
0: right there. That is it. So the way Am I a Jerk or Am I Justified works is I'm just gonna tell a real life story. Uh and, and Aubrey, you, you have okay. every welcome to be like, hey, I know I'm a good pastor on this, but you're a jerk.
2: Okay, all or, right. I am was I, was. I was easy on you last time, so let's you see were. what happens I today. I think
0: I'm gonna be okay on this one. I think <laughs> so. Okay. I do a lot of my time, I do a lot of work. Especially when I'm sermon writing, I like to be out of the office. Okay. Okay. One of my favorite places to sit is at a Panera. So I'll sit at Panera. With uh, your iced tea? Oh, one reason I like Panera is because you can keep refilling that iced tea. (gasps) Didn't know that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Free refill. So I might sit there for three hours. People are like, you're a jerk. That's not what this (laughs) one's about. I'll just fill over and over and over again. But here's my thing. You you, You go to Panera or maybe... Anywhere where you order at a, uh, at a counter. So okay. no waiter, no waitress. Okay. okay. But so you know it, it could be Panera. That's the one I'm thinking of. Maybe it's Chipotle. Maybe it's Subway. But sure. this definitely happens at Panera because I go to Panera all the time. You go up to Panera. You go to the, 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 the cashier. You order. They mm-hmm. put it in their computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, you give them your credit card. You swipe it. They spin it around. And it always says this. Do you want to leave a tip? Oh, it does at Chipotle or at Panera. It does every time. And they're staring at you. Right. The person is right there looking at you. Judging you. In my mind, I'm going, no. No. Because what did you do? You just right. typed it in. Right. I still have to go get my own drink. i are going to buzz my th- I got to walk up and get my so own they're food. So they
2: don't bring you your order. You walk up to the counter and pick it up.
0: Correct. Ah. And so I will say that every single time, multiple times a week when this comes up, I will always hit no tip. Okay. While they're staring at me, <laughs> are you looking at them straight in the eye? Or are you like no be. tip, <laughs> <laughs> Might drop? You get nothing. <laughs> but it literally on the kiosk, it says no tip, dollar, right. Three dollars, five dollars. The next time I hit anything other than no tip will be the first time. Okay. I no tip it every time because in my mind a tip no tip a, a tip is left for. A the Wade, who a server, your food. Mm-hmm. person who cuts your mm-hmm. hair, person mm-hmm. who whatever else. Uh, so there's the scenario. Yep. So, Aubrey, am I a jerk or am I justified ah. to stare that person in the eye and go no tip?
2: So this is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. I my instinct is to say you're justified because yeah. I am with you. They are not they're not really doing anything. You know, they get paid to do what they do. The tricky thing is, okay, so Starbucks, you can leave a tip for mm-hmm. your barista. Yes. They do something, though. They're making the meal. So who does the tip
0: go to? Mm-hmm.
2: That's the question. Does the tip go to the person <laughs> in the back making the food? Or does the tip go to the you know teenager there pushing the button?
0: I'm pretty sure it goes to the teenager pushing the button. So you gave me justified. Am I a jerk for the fact that I've never once tipped at Starbucks?
2: Okay, so yes, you're 100% (laughs) a jerk for that. I mean, literally, you are a jerk for that. So you just won the game.
0: I've never. I think
2: my question for you is Are you wearing, are you holding a Bible? Are you wearing your Christian t shirt? In that sense, then tend, you might be a jerk. I
0: tend to put a tract into the tip jar. <laughs> Instead
1: of a tip, Instead I'll give you tip, this.
0: I do. Think, okay, let me give you a third kind of branch of this. Oh, okay. This one. Okay. Let me give you, and this one just came to my mind, but my wife and I have talked about this before. You go to Jewel. Okay, so okay. You, this is all under the same umbrella. You go to Jewel you put $200 worth of groceries, and you're already like, oh, my gosh, I'm spending so much on milk and eggs and this yes, and that, and yes. Swedish fish and whatever else it <laughs> might be, gummy bears. And, what uh, do you shop for over there, Brian? That's exactly right. Uh, and then they always look at you and go, would you like to give to St. Jude's? Or would you like to add a little (laughs) bit on top to this? And I never, I (gasps) always say no.
2: Brian, that's hashtag jerk right there. You're not going to give to the little children that are hurting, Brian?
0: Hey, I don't know that it's going to. I always
2: give it it, in that scenario when they ask if you want to like round up or give a dollar to Children's Hospital all the time because I'm a better person than you.
0: Clearly, That's, that is the heart of the game. I have
2: more jewels in my crown than you. So
0: I am a jerk because I do think that like at Christmas time when I go outside and the guys ring in the bell in the parking lot or right outside what? jewel at Christmas. Yeah, I'll find a different door to go out. <laughs> I will find a different door.
2: Brian, there's a movie about that. It's called A Christmas Carol. I feel like you should watch it or it's actually a book. You should read the book. Cause that's called some Ebene- Ebenezer Scrooge grinchiness.
0: Yeah, I don't know why that one. Makes this me is up. Old
2: Man Brian coming out.
0: It is. You don't
2: is. give the Salvation Army I coins. I actually think they need a they need to change their system and get like a swipe card because I just don't ever have cash anymore. I, this is a cashless society, and so. I want to give something to them, but often I just don't have anything.
0: So you're the person. So now you're the jerk because you're the person <laughs> who looks at them and goes, oh, I no, Could you I make wish, it easier for me? I wish I could help you, but I got nothing. <laughs>
2: That's My pockets are empty. Yeah, that does make me look bad. That's do you,
0: true. Do you help? Uh, okay, let me give you one more. Okay, all right. Miss High and Mighty. Let's try this one. <laughs> you, are, uh, you are stopped at a stoplight. Oh, your kids are in the car, even. Yeah. And there's somebody asking for money oh. in the middle. Yeah. What do you do?
2: I typically don't give money in those situations. Okay. Always with like guilt and shame and like, Lord Jesus, I don't know. Is this right? Is what? this wrong? I'm so sorry. I have in the past, but uh, often I kind of roll up the window and do the really naughty. That's bad. That's not like Jesus. What do you do?
0: Oh, I don't. You don't give <laughs> I, no, either. No.
2: So we're both jerks, basically. So when
0: there's the little kid w- or the fireman with the fire boot that comes, I was going to ask you ask that? about
2: that. What about that? Where you have to buy the piece of candy?
0: As long as they're handing out tootsie rolls, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> but this is what I learned: Chicagoans do. They buy the candy and then they put it on their windshield so they don't have to do it again. So, like, if they drive through that intersection again, the person standing there sees, oh, they already have candy.
0: That would put like a mark on you, like, well, they bought the first time. I'm going in a second time, right? Okay, so we we learned that not only can I do I have jerk tendencies,
2: that I might have them too, right?
0: But that I'm really cheap.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's the lesson of today. You are but cheap
0: to go back and to, a jerk to go back to the original point here. Yes, when I go to Panera. And they say, no tip, a dollar, two dollars, whatever. Yeah. I'm justified. You're justified. The rest, I'm a jerk.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like that's right.
0: right. I think you're on with the you. common good. That's I right. Think I agree with you. We're <laughs> glad you're joining us today. You're listening to the common good. AIM 1160. Hope for your life. up this hour we're gonna talk about cancel culture we're also going to talk about mega churches and then we're going to be joined by dr mary letter managing director of the church evangelism institute at wheaton college you're listening to the common good common good here on aim 1160 hope for your life alongside aubrey Sampson. my name is brian from glad to have you with us today on a beautiful monday afternoon hope that your week is off to a good start well aubrey I'm the old guy, so I was perusing Facebook today. You know, not Instagram. I was all over Facebook today and uh, saw a post from my co-host. And you like to do something on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram that kind of poses a question that you're wrestling with or you and your husband are wrestling with. Mm-hmm. Give us a 30-second overview, because I want to talk about what you wrote today. I found it fascinating, the conversation. Yes, what was it you wrote every wrote about Monday
2: today? I call it Monday Matters on Facebook, and we just talk about something that may not be world-changing, but is definitely debatable, and it's usually something that's on my mind. And today I just posed the question— um, not so much what do you think about cancel culture, but is there a time to deplatform someone? When is mm. it appropriate? When is it necessary? And uh, when is it not the time to do that? And got some really interesting responses. I'm passionate about just the conversation as a writer, as a public speaker. Um, and even here on the show, Brian, the things we say, when is it appropriate to have someone sort of step down or a product it's kind right. of be moved aside? And when is it actually worth leaning in and engaging? And, um, a good friend Jenny Ray Armstrong said something so Powerful. Be careful.
0: You might end up on the radio. <laughs> I
1: know. Be careful what you say,
0: because Aubrey's going to ask you to come on the Common Good. So anyway, we are going to do that. We, there was uh, a lot of great comments on that. But as you said, Jenny Ray Armstrong was one of your friends who commented it. And we said, it's be really fun. Instead of just us talking, let's get somebody else on. So with that in mind, we are thrilled to be joined by teaching pastor at Daryl Road Wesleyan Church in Superior, Wisconsin, and the author of Don't Hide Your Light Under a Laundry Basket, 150 bright ideas for wannabe world changers. Jenny Ray Armstrong, thanks for joining us on short notice. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? We're doing, doing really great. well. We're doing really well. Hey, we would love to just uh, unpack with you what you wrote because we want to have this conversation about cancel culture. But before we do that, just briefly, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience so they know a little bit about you?
3: Sure. So I live up in the middle of nowhere in northern Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Can't You can't get really hardly any further north than I live in and still be in the United States. So middle of nowhere, spot in the woods. Um, my husband, Aaron, and I have been married nearly 25 years. Wow. That's awesome. We have, we have four sons between the ages of 15 and 23. And we also do foster care. So we've got four kiddos with us right now. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, my house is insane. It's wild. <laughs> I, <laughs> I bet know. it is. How many kids are in my house. It's just wild, but it's a lot of fun
2: too. Jenny Ray, I didn't know you were a boy mom, especially a four. I'm a three boy mom, but you just took it next level. I, I feel like you get some
0: trophies, some gold stars, <laughs> oh all the things for that. That's great. That's yeah, great. it's
2: pretty wild. <laughs> well, I would love for you to tell our listeners what you wrote on my Facebook wall about cancer culture, and generally any thoughts that you have regarding that topic.
3: Yeah, you know, I love the term that you use, deep platform, um, because I think when we talk about cancel culture, we can be used really talking about two different things, mm-hmm. and for one thing, we could just mean what you said, deep platform. We stop publishing a certain book. We stop listening to a certain person. We literally, you know, take away some element of that person's platform or whatever it is that we're talking about. Right. But I think oftentimes when we use the words cancel culture, what we're actually talking about is kind of this social media mob going mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. a human being or an institution or something that is precious to God and beloved. Yeah. And so while we certainly do have to, you know, deal with things that are that are wrong or that are causing harm, like those things do need to be addressed, um, we also need to be very careful that we are... Preserving the dignity and remembering the belovedness of the people that we're interacting with as we do
0: this. So good. That's a really well put, Jenny Ray. I wonder, uh, speak to Christians out there. How should we, in your opinion, uh, and we were really thrilled that you came on. We've never really done this where we said, oh, somebody commented on Facebook. Let's bring them on." And so, really, <laughs> yeah, thank you for you jumping right this. in. Uh, but what's sure. your opinion? Because we've shared ours before. But what's your opinion specifically to Christians? How should we think differently uh, when it comes to cancel culture as Christians? When do we "quote unquote" cancel or deplatform someone? But where does grace play into this and forgiveness in your mind?
3: You know. I think when we look at the New Testament, and when we see the word judge in the New Testament, it can mean two different things. It can mean that we are discerning. Mm -hmm. It can mean discernment. So we're discerning between what's right and what's wrong, what is godly and what's ungodly. And it can also mean condemn. So a lot Mm. of people get confused because, you know, Jesus says, don't judge, but then other places, you know, the Apostle Paul says, do judge. I think what what he's saying, or what they're saying, is that we do need to use judgment in the sense of we're discerning between right and wrong. We're discerning what God wants. But we are never supposed to judge in the sense of condemning someone in our heart. And I think that's what's going on a lot, is when we make assumptions about other people, or when we move from... Realizing, you know, that action is really wrong. What they're doing is really wrong. I think their attitude is really off base. When we move from that to condemning that person in our heart, we are really walking on, on thin ice there. That's We've good. we did waited really in dangerous territory.
2: Yeah, that's that's really good because then we're playing God, aren't we, in mm-hmm. that sense, rather than allowing God to be right. God. For any listeners that, um, you know, some people have more of that tendency towards cancel culture than (laughs) others do. You may feel things strongly and it's just easy to cancel. What would you, as a pastor, sort of advise people to stop and ask themselves before they just start, you know, canceling everyone or everything?
3: You know, first of all, I would say look at your own heart. Mm. Um, because it's really easy to get carried away and nothing makes us feel as good in certain ways as being part of a group. And oftentimes these aren't things we're doing individually. We're doing it in agreement with some larger social movement. That's true. Um, so sometimes we're just jumping on a bandwagon and it makes us feel good to feel like we're right or we're, important, or you know, we're responding to this great evil. We're going to go fix it. Um, but to check our own heart, first of all, Mm -hmm. um, I would also advise people to make sure that they're not making assumptions or projecting their own experiences. You know, I grew up, my parents were missionaries, so one of the benefits of that is having a lot of really different cultural experiences and realizing, you know, not everyone has the same experiences, Mm. not everyone sees things the same way. So when we assume that a person, you know, doing a certain thing or saying a certain thing, we might assume that they are... Trying to say something or do something that is really not true, um, we might be projecting our own understanding on them. That's good. So to clarify, to not make assumptions. Um,
0: That's good. And, That's really you know,
3: good. Just to be kind, you know, to be mm-hmm. to be gentle, to act in love. To yeah. read First Corinthians thirteen and think through: Are my behaviors lining up with this, mm. or is my attitude?
2: someplace
0: else. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Aubrey, we've got like a minute. What would you say? You asked the question. Oh. Is, it, is it acceptable to you to I ever would do say
2: it? follow Jenny Ray Armstrong, buy really her books good. and learn from her. <laughs> <That's really laughs> because good. that was so much wisdom you just spent for us, Jenny. Jenny, in the last minute or so, tell us a little bit about your book and where our listeners can find you and your website, JennyRayArmstrong.com. Yeah, you know, my website is probably
3: the best place you can find me on Facebook. I don't do tons of social media outside of that. That's, that's probably my, wise write, Well, you know. <laughs> um, I also have a book that wasn't mentioned, from um, Risk to Resilience: How Empowering mm. Young Women Can Change Everything. Oh, I love it. So that. that is my most recent book. Um, but yeah, you can find those. You know, pretty much anywhere books are sold. And feel free to connect with me on, on either my website or on Facebook. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Get in touch.
0: We will definitely have to have you back on to mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about that book. Uh, let, Last minute, okay, we've got you for a minute. What is it like to pastor in what you describe as the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin? Because we're down here in the western suburbs, cars everywhere, people everywhere. What's it like? What's it like up there in Wisconsin?
3: You know, it's great. Everyone's related though. I, I joke when I started the church i that now you don't need name tags, you need like family trees. <laughs> I can't see how everyone's related.
0: Oh, that's yeah, so wonderful! It's a
3: lot of fun. I love it. That's, that's amazing. Great. Well,
0: Jenny Ray, we've never done this before, and you are the you you blazed a new trail for us. Seriously, on the you're
2: good. fantastic, <laughs> yeah, Jenny Ray. Again,
0: go to Jenny Ray Armstrong. That's Jenny, and then Ray is R A E. Jenny Ray uh, You can find her books. Find her online. Lots of great writing there, Jenny Ray. It is great to meet you. Thanks again for doing this. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you guys for
0: having me. Oh, it's absolutely our pleasure. See, if you go and you comment on Aubrey's social media, Yeah, be
2: careful if you're going to comment because I might come for you. We might
0: get you on <laughs> here. Well, coming up next, I do want to talk again about mega churches a little bit. An article that Julie Roy's wrote, and I want to talk about the comments to this article. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. Aim 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm, glad to have you with us. I mean, I don't know how not to dance while doing while this music That's is on. That's some like good on, dance or... music,
2: right there. This is your chance for TikTok, Brian.
0: I mean, is that a fa- is that on the Facebooks? I don't know.
2: <laughs> is that on the gram?
0: <laughs> We're glad to have you join us. If you've missed any of today's show, uh, go ahead and find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. You can also find us on 1160hope.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Common Good Talk. Ask Alexa. She'll find us for you. That's right. All sorts of different places. You could go listen to old interviews uh, and whatever else. Well, uh, you and I have spent a lot of time today uh, talking about the church and Christians. And I do think that's one of the benefits of this show, something that we can do. We can offer people. We're both pastors. Uh, Mm -hmm. You're at Renewal Church in Chicago. Uh, Chicago in West Chicago. West Chicago, close. You had one of the two names.
1: <laughs> West Chicago Church
0: in West Chicago. Uh, and I am at Four Corners Community Church in Darien. Sometimes I get distracted. I have my my text came up, and my son just told me the Mets game got canceled. Just oh no! Why did that. the Mets game get canceled? It's
2: raining. It's raining. Raining in NYC. In, back in NYC. Back in the homeland. I'm
0: it sorry. is I'm raining. I'm sorry. Uh, and so For you guys. and I are both very concerned about the church. We be, we did we care about the church. Otherwise, we wouldn't Absolutely. have given our lives to starting churches and yes. being a part of them. We
2: love the local church, and we want to see it flourish.
0: Here, yeah, I would say this: We love the local church and the local. Church probably causes us a great amount of consternation. Well, the thing
2: you love you feel a lot of pain about, right?
0: Is that a message to your husband?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, did you hear that?
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't feel that way at all. (laughs) Oh, that was good. That was a good line. That that should get in a book somewhere. Um, And so here's what I did. I I, I read an article today that Julie Roy's. Julie Roy's been on the show many times, uh, at julieroys.com. She tends to be an investigative reporter. Mm -hmm, She'll mm -hmm. write about a bunch of different things. She wrote about Hillsong. So Hillsong is just this enormous. It's a denomination, right? This it is an enormous church own. out yeah. of Australia. Hillsong, New York had all the problems with Carl, Carl Lenz. Lenz. Yeah. Well, there was also problems out of Hillsong, Dallas. And because of uh, some of the problems that they had and because of COVID-19 and, and all that came of it, they've, they're shutting it down. Wow! And here's what. Basically, the pastors that they let go, it looks like they spent a ton of the church's money. Oh. We, you know, It's a tale as old as time, yeah. right? Like right. this and that. That's true. And so that's true and sad. So you yeah. might be wondering, okay, what do you want to do with this story? So I was really reading Julie Royce, and then I did something interesting. I looked at the comments, uh, mm. Twitter. I was looking at the Twitter comments to the story, and it was a lot of people kind of going in on exactly the phrase I just used, not surprised. Tale as old as time. Wow. This is what happens. Wow. And it was, it was forced. It was, it was facing more towards the mega church movement, okay. but it got me wondering again. And I know you and I talked about this a little earlier in the show, but I think it's about as important of a thing as we can talk about the reputation of, of the, the church. church, because it's one thing for church people to be going, oh, those mega churches again. Right. But we also know that when it comes to power hungry pastors, when it comes to sin, when it comes big church, small church, medium church. Uh, uh, rural church, city yep, church, yeah, it's all the same. The mega right. church might look different,
2: right, and it has more of a public profile. Certainly,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. I think here. Tell me if you think I'm right. I think culturally, so not just within the church, but culturally, I think the church, the evangelical church, I'm using air quotes right now. Okay, I think its reputation right now is about as low as it's ever been.
2: It certainly feels that way. Yep, I- you know, uh, I mean, even you've even got like on Saturday Night Live jokes about the mm-hmm, evangelical mm-hmm. church. And that to me feels like, oh, wow. If if like this pop culture phenomenon like SNL is making jokes about the church. Uh, we're at a pretty low point that they even are taking the time to, right? (laughs) They think it's funny
0: and other people will get it. And so I I do think part of our role here, literally, I don't know if you know this, the very first day that Ian and I did a show, Two plus years ago yeah. was the day that everything broke with Harvest Bible Chapel around oh, here. And we wow. were like, that was
2: your first hell? day on the show. Wow. First Brian.
0: segment we ever did. Wow. And since then, we've done all of these different churches, and, Ian yeah. and I, we've, t- we've tried to be very careful to say it's not just a mega church problem. Right. Those are the ones that get written up about in Chicago Tribune Certainly. or New York Times or USA Certainly. Today. But w- you and I have been around In a church the block. like
2: Hillsong, you've got celebrities that Correct. go there. So that it gets some public profile.
0: So here's what I want to do with the rest of our time here is to ask this question. Because I don't want to just go, uh, oh, another church. Mm. Oh, another one. You and I are part of the church, so yeah. not not how can we fix the big C church, right? Okay, but, but how can we pastor in such a way that our churches don't end up like this? That's how can such we? Such an important question. Yeah, so wrestle with that with me a little bit. What What are some answers? Because it's just individual church. We, you and I, can't be like, well, Hillsong should do this, yeah. and Harvest should do this, yeah. and Willow should do this. I could say Four Corners Community Church should do this. This is how we're going to be. You should be like Renewal Church. Mm-hmm. And then that starts to spread out. And mm-hmm. so what is the answer for the church? What are some answers for the church's reputation to begin building in, back in yeah. a positive direction?
2: You know, what comes to mind is, is twofold. The first, I think, is systemically or, or uh, systematically, maybe the word I'm looking for, what systems are in place for things like accountability Mm -hmm. uh, in this story, for instance, that you reference uh, finances, um, who is overseeing, I guess, the business of the church and making sure that it is a a church of integrity inside and out. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I think there has to be a question of our integrity before the Lord. And as pastors, what are we in it for? Are we, trying to make a name for ourselves or are we really trying to serve people and honor the name of Jesus Christ? And it seems to me that the moment that a pastor, um, and I think we all probably have this tendency as human beings, pastors or not, but the moment it begins to be somehow about us or we Mm. let that one little area slide or we compromise, then that can creep in where it just, we become more like, I don't know, like we think we're the boss or we think we're the celebrity instead of... We're actually here to serve under our king. Like Mm. we are servants and he's our, our, we're his subjects, right? Mm. And he is our royal master. And so that perspective of like, who really is the Lord of the church, I think is an important question we have to keep in front of us. What say you, Brian, what does the church need to do? What say you?
0: (laughs) I think you hit on something very important and People don't, uh, who aren't pastors, I'm guessing, don't understand the draw, mm. the uh, the danger a bit uh, that is present for uh you are put up on a stage even yep. if you're in a little church yep. you're up on a stage people little or big church are looking to you for answers yep. they're coming to you at their most vulnerable times yep. i'm never surprised that people go down <laughs> that pastors abuse their never. power and it's for that reason that pastors or people in churches need to hold their pastors and leaders elders deacons whatever else to a really high standard that says hey there's yeah. a lot of temptation here yeah. like i Y- your your level of trust is high. Like mm-hmm. It never surprises me when people are misusing funds. It breaks my heart, right. but it never surprises right. me. And I think if you're out there, I know we have a lot of pastors who listen, but if you're just a Christian out there, a Christ follower, like be really uh, intentional about like, okay, how can I take steps so that my neighbor thinks differently of Christ followers? We talked earlier about being ambassadors of Christ. Mm-hmm. How can I act differently? How can I serve other people? How can I be the hands and feet of Jesus? Because we're prideful people. We we kind of just you know, I don't think anyone ever starts and goes, you know what I want to be? I want to steal money, and abuse people. Right, <laughs> right, right. So right. probably do, but right. I think it's a slow, slow It's crawling. a
2: slow drift, isn't it? If we aren't staying laser focused on Christ and his kingdom.
0: And there, oh, good Wheaton term Ooh. there. And so therefore we need to have that Eugene Peterson, a long obedience That's in right. the same direction right. and go. I think it's, we want, we are for the church. We want it to do well. And so we're going to keep having these conversations. Well, coming up next. We are thrilled to be joined uh, by Mary, Dr. Mary Letterleitner, managing director of the Church Evangelism Institute and Research Institute at Wheaton College's Billy Graham Center, adjunct professor at Wheaton College and also at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, author of Women in God's Mission, Accepting the Invitation to Serve and to Lead. We're going to talk to Mary about that book and a few other things next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us on a beautiful Monday afternoon. It's been fun to be with you today. And we are thrilled to be joined for the next two segments by Dr. Mary Letterleitner. Uh, Mary is the Managing Director of the Church Evangelism Institute and Research Institute at Aubrey and I's alma mater, Wheaton College and the right. Wheaton College Billy Graham Center also an adjunct professor at Wheaton College as well as at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Mary, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's absolutely our pleasure. Hey, before we jump in, we're going to talk about your book, Women Women in God's Mission, uh, and some other things. But before we jump into any questions, would you just introduce yourself to our audience so they can get to know you a little bit?
3: Sure. Um, my passion has been uh, God's mission. And so I've worked in ministry and mission circles for about 25 years. Wow. Wow. Most of that time was in global missions with uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators, and I worked at the international level. I was in and out of a lot of different countries. Um, And so I really have a heart for people that care care about living out God's purposes for their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of work with leaders around the world who are um, involved in a lot of different types of ministries. And so the book that we're talking about um, comes out of a period where I was starting to meet a number of women in different countries that were stepping into positions that they were the first women uh, to be leading at that level. And so... um, So anyway, so that's part of the story behind the book. But Mm -hmm. that's that's really my heart. Um, Global Missions is really um, something I'm deeply passionate about.
2: Mm. Mary, why do you think this book and this topic is so important, specifically right now for this cultural moment?
3: Well, um, I wrote it uh, because I felt like most of the books that were being written before this came out were arguing for people to think, one way or the other theologically about what women could or couldn't do mm. in the church or in god's kingdom but because i've traveled so much and i've been involved in so many different types of churches i wanted to celebrate god's daughters across the body of christ mm. I, I didn't want to argue um, because i i have been a part of so many different churches that have viewed uh women's roles differently mm-hmm. yeah but in each place, I've seen women just do these amazing things right. <laughs> and really lead people for Christ and expand uh, the kingdom of God. And I felt like God was just really uh, proud of His daughters who were trying to follow Christ mm. and be like Him. And so I wanted to set a different type of conversation. Mm. Wow. And uh, I-, I was hoping it possible to change the tone from a polarized argument to um to a more thoughtful um, maybe approach uh, that wasn't um you know so volatile yeah uh, yeah, but yeah.
2: So
0: good and Mary I'm curious just uh, you you've kind of dedicated your life and been very involved in missions and uh, it feels like missions has it's uh, as a category has changed say over the generations here help people understand how is mission work and missions different now than say 20 30 years ago
3: well it's really funny I think it depends where you get your kind of uh, heritages mm-hmm when I went into global missions, I came from a church that didn't view local missions differently from global missions,
1: mm-hmm.
3: or missions mission for a person working in a regular job different from a, a paid person who mm-hmm. raised support for ministry. So, yeah, so I feel like kind of the soil that produced me is kind of what's happening now, you know, <laughs> like right. more broadly that people are realizing that everybody has a calling. They have unique gifts. They have unique talents. I think, um, you know, uh, we were always called to equip the things for the work of service. Right. It was never supposed to be a small number of people. Hmm. And um, to me, it's more about just coming alongside people and helping them make their, their best contribution in the kingdom, use That's their good. gifts. Uh, use their talents and some people need a team of supporters, financial supporters to do that. Other people don't need that, but they need encouragement. Some need to be linked with people that have similar ministries because they're hitting roadblocks. So there's different there's different things, but I've never viewed local as supreme over global mm-hmm. or global as supreme over local. Um, I, I enjoy global because of the extreme complexity of it right. in all of the different cultures. <laughs> right. I get bored easily, so I find that a very <laughs> intriguing place. Uh, uh, and also, I like being able to see further, kind of a bigger picture mm-hmm. of what God's doing. That's a lot of fun for me.
2: That but, is so um, fun to see how God is working around the globe. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Mary.
3: Yeah, so that's kind of how I view it, and and I think that many churches now are getting a vision again of helping all of their people live into God's mission, um, not just a small percentage of people called to full-time ministry right. or
2: called to global missions. Right. I, I do see that happening across the church. I love that. Mary, the the field of missions is at least perceived to be male-dominated. I don't know if that's true or not, but why do you feel like women's voices are important in the mission field?
3: You know, it's really kind of ironic because um, in the missions world, historically, there's been a lot more freedom for women Hmm. uh, than a lot of times in their local churches. So historically... There are more women missionaries than there are men. There uh, are more single women uh, than there are single men, and a lot of times, just historically, women went into a global mission because they were allowed to use their gifts there, but maybe they weren't as able to use their gifts in their home country. Right. Right. So, yeah. um, so that's I saw that playing out um, in my research, and uh, a number of win- women talked about that, how maybe their church would financially support them to do a number of things, but when they came home in their own community, they weren't allowed to do those mm.
1: things. Mm.
3: And, and it's hard, but it's just a reality. It's, it's extremely complex. The rules are always changing, and and it's, it's a tough, space. Uh, in a lot of ways, to be a woman with leadership gifts, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah,
3: um, in the evangelical community, yes. if unless your your ministry is very typical, you know, mm-hmm. like. Um, <laughs> Uh, working with women and children, then that's fine, usually.
1: (laughs) Right, right.
2: Not always, always, right.
3: (laughs) Right, right. That's great. But if if your gifts are broader or different, or if you don't quite, if you don't fit that mold, it can be challenging.
2: Mary, your book is Women in God's Mission, Accepting the Invitation to Serve and Lead. You said previously that you've done a lot of travel, and you have global missions experience. I would just love to hear a story of what you're seeing God do through women.
3: Yeah, you know, it's, it's so fascinating to me. Um, I, I included the stories of women um, from about 30 different countries in the book, and uh, there were about 95 women represented in the book. It's amazing, And I think um, what made it so fascinating is each woman was deeply respected as a leader in her context, but what her ministry looked like was very different depending mm. on what she felt comfortable doing. Mm. Um, so um, for me, like, I worked through a lot of different networks. Some of the, the medical missionary women were, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. They were wow. fabulous. They were working in some of the hardest places in the world, um, delivering babies, you know, reaching out through medicine, but also sharing their faith, um, sometimes in very violent situations Mm. or where there had been uh, maybe counseling, where there had been ethnic cleansing, Mm. um, where there's terrorism, that sort of thing. Um, You know, there were just... So many different types of women doing so many different things wow. that um, it's it's so hard in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah,
0: right, so
2: right. Well. No, that There's sounds so incredible. so many different
3: now. stories in the book, yeah. That's why There's
0: we want people so to go pick up the book, yes, Women in God's Mission, Accepting the Invitation to Serve. And to lead, Mary, if there's uh, somebody out there right now, probably, you know, somebody who's younger going, you know what, I I feel God tugging my heart towards global missions. Like, I think this might be where I go, but it scares me. Uh, Not really sure what the next step is. What would you encourage uh, that that person to do next? How do they decipher that call as to whether they should go overseas uh, and maybe whether God is calling them out of this country overseas?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, one of the lessons uh, I learned as a very young believer uh, was the story that uh, of what Moses experienced when he was called, and Moses was very scared. Um, he he felt inadequate. Um, he didn't feel like he was a good speaker. Right. He he wasn't confident. Um, and I think a lot of times we have this mistake in our minds to think that we need to be a hundred percent confident, hmm. uh, and if we aren't, then somehow we're not called. Yeah. But that's not the case. I have never found that to be the case. I have found instead that um, I'm usually quite scared, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, before yeah. every trip, and that hasn't changed in twenty five years. Wow. So, so that. The issue isn't, are you afraid or not? The issue isn't, do you feel 100% confident or not? The issue is, do you, do you really sense that God is calling you to do this? Um, I found that, that there are people that you can talk to, people who are faithful and following Christ. You can ask and talk to them about it. I was thinking of one of the, the quotes um, in the book it was from a woman in a, a really difficult, um, part of the world. And, and she said, you can't wait until you mature.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm. Uh, you actually have to just step into what God is calling you to do. And then you grow in maturity. That's good. And that's absolutely what I found. Um, but you also have to be willing to get feedback and you have to be willing to listen
1: mm.
3: and, and take those things before God and Sometimes you fall short, and you just have to get on your knees and pray. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <cry>. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you just cry because you wish you had done better. Mm. But that's what discipleship is about. That's right. And then that's you right. pray, and you learn, and you get better. That's right. You know, that's, that's kind of the way it is. Um, so anyway, that's how I would recommend uh, a person to approach that situation.
1: That's great.
2: And Mary, specifically thinking of our female listenership, if they do feel like God has equipped them and called them to leadership, but perhaps they're in a church context that is maybe not empowering to them specifically, how would you encourage them?
3: You know, there's, there's different aspects. Um, I, I see women navigating this so many different ways. Um, sometimes uh, what they do is they um, stay in their church, do what they can, but then they find a ministry outside of the church. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's with a parachurch organization or a mission organization or some kind of, of ministry, um, uh, an evangelistic outreach, or a, a, a justice and mercy and evangelism type uh, situation. You know there are, there are some times where I've met some women who her, their calling is so specific and they can't look it down in their their church, and they might sometimes have to transition to a congregation that will let them use their gifts yeah. that that tends to be the case more if their giftedness is actually in the church itself mm-hmm. because some things in some places you're not allowed to do in others you are right. Um, I think the biggest thing that, uh, that the women in, in my book talked about was the um, responsibility on us is to be faithful.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
3: right. It's to be faithful with what God is calling us to do. And, and so you just have what faithfulness looks like varies, but you don't get a pass. <laughs> if God is calling you to do something, and, and you're in a congregation that, that won't let you, but there are other healthy parts of the body of Christ you allow women maybe do some of those things. You don't get a pass and say, "I'm just going to bury this talent under mm. the rock because one leader doesn't think I should be allowed to do this."
0: That's yeah. good. That's And good.
3: that's it's challenging and it's hard, but many times you can find a way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> many, right. <laughs> many, many times you can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think leaving is the first thing anybody mm. should consider mm. doing without a lot of prayer and thoughtfulness. But um but we're accountable to the talents that God's given us and burying them under a rock and saying, Oh, I was a woman, I couldn't use them mm. is not, I don't think, gonna be an acceptable answer when we meet our king. <laughs> nice. So um Good. yeah, that's just Kind of how I do that.
0: That's a really good word, Mary. Again, we are uh, thrilled to have been joined by Dr. Mary Letterleitner. She's managing director of the Church Evangelism Institute and Research Institute at Wheaton College's Billy Graham Center. Also adjunct professor at Wheaton College and Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and author of a book we would encourage you to go pick up called Women in God's Mission: Accepting the Invitation to serve and to lead. Mary, this has been wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Yeah, thank you, Mary. Thanks for having me.
0: It's absolutely our pleasure. And we're thrilled that you all joined us today. We hope that you have a great rest of your night. Join us again tomorrow from four until six. For Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.